Welcome everyone to the Score Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host Justin Boone, the lead fantasy analyst at the Score. Let's talk about today's show off the top. I plan to do the rankings review show as just one big, I've probably assumed it was going to be fairly long episode last week. And then when I started things up, I did quarterbacks, I did running backs, I looked at the clock, I was about 50-55 minutes into the show, so I decided at that point, instead of going for an hour and a half or two hours in one show, I was going to break it up into two parts. So if you want to hear the quarterbacks and running backs section, you can go check out last week's show. This week, we're going to look at wide receivers and tight ends, and I was pumped to record on Wednesday, I'm going to continue to put shows out on Wednesday, only this week, my furnace decided to retire on me, kind of like... Luke Keekley did this week, so I had to get repairmen in, and I assumed that people weren't going to want to listen to a podcast where I had people installing a new furnace downstairs while I was trying to record, so I decided to not have that noise in the background and just push the show back to later in the week, so we're coming at you a day later here on Thursday, and other than spending a pretty cold 24 hours around my house, got the new furnace in, back in business now, nice and warm, so we're good to go. Before we jump into the show, though, a reminder, you can subscribe to the podcast on whatever podcast platform you're using, and while you're there, go check out the other shows we have on the Score Podcast Network, whether it's Pound the Rock covering the NBA, Puck Pursuit hitting the ice taking on NHL, Sweeper Keeper for the soccer fans, or the Score MMA podcast with James Lynch. They're pumping up that McGregor-Cowboy-Cerrone fight that's coming up. So lots of great shows on the Score Podcast Network. You're missing out if you're not giving them all a chance. Okay, let's go into wide receiver. It's a very, very deep position this year. Up at the top, pretty standard. Michael Thomas, number one. Devontae Adams, DeAndre Hopkins, Julio Jones, Tyree Kill, they fill out the top five. You could shuffle them around a little bit. I know I was on Pat Fitzmaurice's podcast earlier this week, and he was asking me about having Adams above Hopkins. It's so close. It's so close. I think Adams, when healthy, has shown a consistency that we haven't seen from Hopkins. Maybe Hopkins... His his ceiling is a little bit higher, but when you're talking about a consistency standpoint, and that's what I want from my guys at the top, other than getting hurt, Adams has delivered. I had some people earlier in the year saying to me that they thought he was a bust simply because he got hurt in the middle of the season. In those first four games, he had a, a very tough matchup in prime time against the Bears in week one, and then out of those first four games that he played, he cracked 100 yards twice. He just wasn't scoring touchdowns. Then he gets hurt, comes back. He's been outstanding since he's gotten healthy here down the stretch all the way into the playoffs where he had eight catches, 160 yards, and two touchdowns in their win and setting up for a, a pretty interesting matchup with the 49ers this week. So I have Adams as number two, Hopkins number three, but even guys like Julio and Tyreek are very intriguing. They're all pretty consistent performers on a, on a season-long basis, but week to week, I'm putting Adams number two because I like what he's been giving us. Uh, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin at six and eight, respectively. They're both great plays. People want to argue who's the better fantasy wideout, who's the better wideout in general. Both these guys are wide receiver ones. Both of them belong up here in this range. A sandwich between them, Amari Cooper. The Cowboys are going to bring Cooper back. We know that's going to happen. We saw it with Zeke where they kind of do the dance for a little while, but eventually they're going to give him a contract. He's been outstanding since he came over to the Cowboys, especially when he's playing in Dallas. And I don't, I mean, I don't love those home road splits, but 
he's been so good in Dallas and overall has just been very, very good with the Cowboys, much better than what we saw near the end with the Raiders. So hopefully he'll be a little bit healthier in 2020, played through a bunch of injuries this year, but he's still a mid-range wide receiver one. DJ Moore might be the first surprising name. I have him at wide receiver nine. I don't think that people are making enough of a big deal about what a season he had. He was a sophomore and he played the majority of the year with Kyle Allen at quarterback. And people were in love with Kyle Allen a little earlier in the season. I think as the year wore on, they realized Kyle Allen is just a backup quarterback at the NFL level. And still, DJ Moore, 87 catches, 1,175 yards. Just outstanding to do that with a backup at quarterback. And we only scored four touchdowns. I consider that a good thing because it held his fantasy point total down. So looking at next year, people might not realize that they're looking at the fantasy points he produced on the season. They might not realize just how good he was playing. And with this new offense, they bring in Matt Rule as the head coach. Very exciting time to have these offensive minds in the building now. Maybe you get Cam Newton healthy. We don't know what's going to happen, whether Cam's going to be under center or not yet. I'm still leaning. I talked about this in the quarterback episode. I'm I'm still leaning Cam as being the starter with the Panthers next season. It would be pretty shocking to see them go in a different direction because I don't really know what their options are. I don't think they're going to get a rookie in there who's going to be good enough to take over right away. So in my mind, the smart move would be to bring Cam back at least for one season, see what he can do under this new coaching staff. But that has yet to be decided. Regardless, right now, more as a wide receiver one in fantasy, just a phenomenal young talent. Now, I have Odell Beckham at 10, but he is a very tough one to rank. We know the track record he had before he got to Cleveland would belong in the top five fantasy wide receivers. Then this year has a very, very down year. And you don't want recency bias to completely sway your opinion on him. So I'm kind of hedging my bet here, having him at 10. I'm sure some will have him higher. I'm definitely sure there's going to be a lot of people that rank him lower. This is an optimistic projection in my mind that a, a new coaching staff can come in that another season with Baker Mayfield, a full off season together, maybe we're going to see them resolve some of the issues, some of the chemistry problems that they had this season. I do worry that could be just a bad clash of personalities here that Baker's not going to back down, that Beckham, that Jarvis Landry, they're not going to back down, but hopefully new coaching staff's going to help kind of just smooth things over, bring in a new system and maybe fix some of the problems that they had. So he's a risky pick in the early rounds, but we know the kind of upside that he can bring. Allen Robinson at 11 continues to perform despite a a strange quarterback situation there where Mitch Trubisky at times looks like he belongs and at other times looks like he should be sitting on the bench. Allen Robinson can produce through it all. Cortland Sutton rounding out the wide receiver ones at wide receiver 12. He's not that far behind DJ Moore for me. They're both sophomores who dominated in bad situations this year, really. Sutton had 72 grabs, 1,112 yards, and six touchdowns, and he was catching passes from Joe Flacco and Brandon Allen and a very, very green Drew Locke. Locke should be a little more prepared next year. I don't love the overall offensive situation in Denver, but Sutton was a force. He really only had one bad game all year, and it was against Trey White of the Bills, so I'm not going to fault him for that. I have to have him up in this range. At worst, at worst, he's a high-end wide receiver too, 
looking into 2020. A.J. Brown right there as well could argue for him potentially being a wide receiver one in 2020. He only had more than eight targets once this season and often was down in that four, five target range and was still producing down the stretch. He had stat lines four for 81, four for 135 and one, five for 153 and two, eight for 114 and one, and four for 124 and one. Moved into that full-time role as the season went along and just kept delivering. This is what it looks like when a star is born, folks. I'm not going to sing Lady Gaga. I could probably do the Bradley Cooper part of that song, but I think this is a situation where Brown is a bona fide star. This is what you want to see from him as a rookie. It sets him up to go into next year and have another big season to build off of this. And fantasy owners are going to be climbing over each other to try to draft him in 2020. So don't be surprised if his ADP is way up there. Kenny Galladay at 14, Adam Thielen at 15. We got to talk about the Vikings wide receivers here. Thielen is a perfect example of a player who dealt with injuries that I'm going to buy low on. People have a negative vibe towards him right now because they weren't seeing him out there putting up his usual numbers. That's going to depress his value next season. Now, In this offense, they have that run-heavy attack, and I talked about it before this year, well before Thielen got hurt, that that is a problem for the passing game because the volume is not always going to be there. But early in the season when Thielen was healthy, he was still getting it done. He, you know, to maintain wide receiver one production, that might be tough, but he's still a top 15 guy for me, and he's Cousins' go-to receiver, not Diggs. You would think that with Thielen out, Diggs had such an opportunity to step up, maybe establish himself as that guy. He's the younger receiver. Everybody loves his route running ability, but when they both been healthy, it's been Thielen, not Diggs, that's thrived. So you have to bring down the expectations. I mean, Thielen's not going to put up those wide receiver one numbers probably anymore, but to be a solid wide receiver two, it's well within his range of outcomes. That's where I like him, and I have Diggs a little bit further down. I won't spoil it. We'll mention him as we're going by. Wide receiver 16, Keenan Allen. Going to have to see what happens at quarterback for the Chargers, whether Phillip Rivers comes back. Wide receiver 17, Devontae Parker. I had given up on Parker. I will admit, in a dynasty league, I had actually released him outright. It, I was done. I didn't think it was going to happen for him. We saw four or five seasons where he had all the talent in the world to be a wide receiver one in real life, to be a top target for his team, and just didn't come through. And yet, the change in coaching staff, something clicked for him this year. I'm glad. Even though I let him go in that dynasty league, I am glad to see him finally producing because there was no doubt that he had the skills to do this, and now it's all come together. A lot of people are going to want to say that it was Ryan Fitzpatrick feeding him a lot of targets. And yeah, there was a game or two where he was getting, you know, even upwards of 15 targets in a contest, which is a whole heck of a lot of looks, but it wasn't just Fitzpatrick. We're going to have to see what happens at quarterback in Miami, but Parker seems poised to stay around this level. He was a wide receiver one in fantasy in the second half of the year. I'm not putting him there. I'm dropping him back a little bit. I think he'll come back down to earth just a little bit here, but a solid wide receiver too. And he was doing it in tough matchups. I mean, he was going up against, you know, the the Bills, going up against the Patriots and producing week 17. We saw him put up big numbers 
against Stephon Gilmore and the Patriots. And in both of those Bills games, Bills are one of the toughest secondaries in the league with Trey White there, and he was getting it done. So Parker is here to stay. Hopefully they can get a a young quarterback in there that compliments him as well. But I like him as a wide receiver too in 2020. Julian Edelman getting a little older. He's my wide receiver 18. We'll have to watch what happens with him and Braden. There's going to be a lot of receivers here that it's going to depend what happens at quarterback for them. But Julian Edelman right now has to be considered in that top 20. Wide receiver 19, Robert Woods. The offense for the Rams seems to operate best when Woods is the number one target there. We saw that happen, that shift later in the season. They started to do a little bit better. Now they were relying more on Todd Gurley like they probably should have been all season long. But Woods was getting a ton of targets. We saw Cooper Cup fade a little bit in the second half of the year. We saw Brandon Cooks not even really show up this season. He's way, way down my rankings right now, despite the fact that he had four straight thousand yard seasons before this. But in the second half of the year, Woods was producing, had at least nine targets in each of the last seven games. We're going to have to figure out what happened to Cooper Cup. I've been on a couple podcasts recently where they asked me about this Rams receiving core. And aside from Woods, who I actually really like, I've been a fan of for a while, Cooper Cup, uh, Brandon Cooks, what happened to those guys this year? I I'm going to have to dig deeper and find out it's one of my offseason projects. It's on the list. Wide receiver 20, John Brown showed a really good floor in the second half of the year. I mean, the weather in Buffalo is a little worse. They had some tougher matchups. He dropped off a little bit, but showed a pretty good floor early in the season. Showed he belongs as a top 20 receiver that he meshes very well with Josh Allen's skill set. So lots of good things still to come from John Brown. DJ Chark at 21. I'm curious to see what everyone else thinks about DJ Chark because he had 73 receptions, over 1,000 yards, 8 touchdowns, really an impressive leap from year 1 to year 2, and maybe that warrants him being ranked higher than I have him here, but he did a lot of his damage early in the year. Late in the season, was he playing through injury? Was that what slowed him down? Was it the QB changes? They were kind of going back and forth between Foles and Minshew. But Chark only hit 75 yards once in his last five games. You could make an argument, though, for him being a high-end wide receiver, too, even. We saw him put up wide receiver one numbers at times this year. I have him as a low-end wide receiver, too. Another area where maybe I'm hedging my bet a little bit, but I don't have a ton of confidence in that Jaguars passing game because in the second half of the year, even in some good spots in that Oakland game, they weren't producing We saw Chris Conley have decent numbers, but they all came in the fourth quarter in garbage time. We didn't really see them assert themselves uh, late in the season. So I'm not totally confident in DJ Shark as a high-end guy right now, but we saw enough from him that he's established himself as a solid fantasy weapon with some upside there. So going to keep him in this range. Tyler Lockett at 22, Calvin Ridley 23. I mean, Ridley was on pace for over 1,000 yards this season. Might even come close to to hitting double-digit touchdowns again if he hadn't missed time with that abdominal injury late in the season. So he really started to catch fire after the Sanu trade, and that bodes well for him moving forward. Had stat lines after that, 8 for 143 and 1, 6 for 85 and 1, 8 for 91, 5 for 76 and 1. That was just over his last four games before he got hurt. So hard not to like him as a wide receiver too in 2020. T.Y. Hilton, some quarterback issues there. Is Jacoby Brissett going to be the guy? I mean, Brissett didn't really get a a vote of confidence from Chris Ballard. He kind of said that 
you know, he's our quarterback right now. That doesn't mean they're not going to go out and get somebody. And Hilton had some health issues as well. So we'll keep an eye on him. But he belongs as that fringe wide receiver too if he's healthy. And if the quarterback situation in Indy isn't a disaster. And I think with Brissett under center, it's not. It's stable. But it's obviously not as good as it used to be with Andrew Luck there. Stefan Diggs at 25, like I mentioned him before, playing second to fiddle to Thielen there. At 26, Juju Smith-Schuster, very, very interesting here. Roethlisberger returning would definitely move him up the list. I'm just, and I talked about this in the quarterback episode, I'm not totally sure that we're going to get the same Big Ben that we've seen in years past. He's coming off injury He's later in his career. He's talked about retirement multiple times in the last few seasons. So let's see what the update is on Roethlisberger. He's supposed to get checked out in February, and we should have a better idea of his timeline. Roethlisberger might not be that involved in the offseason program, though. And we saw how bad the quarterback situation is in Pittsburgh when Big Ben isn't around. So right now, Juju's going to be around this 26 range, but he could move as high as the top 15 or so if we feel confident that Roethlisberger's back and playing like he did in the past. Cooper Cup at 27, like I said, still got to dig in to figure out what happened to Cup late in the year. 28, Jarvis Landry, he outproduced Beckham this season. He's a better fit as a number two wide receiver in the offense, and I think that's why his numbers really popped up this year because you had Beckham now there drawing attention away, whereas last year when they tried to put Landry out there as their number one guy, we saw his numbers fall back quite a bit. So this whole offense is going to have a different look next season, and that's a good thing. That's definitely a good thing for Landry and for everyone involved. DK Metcalf at 29, he's going to remain inconsistent. We all want to get excited about the big games where he pops up, but there's no doubt that his skills are translating to the pros, so there's a chance he could overtake Tyler Lockett as the number one receiver in that offense, but the inconsistency is going to stem from the fact that the Seahawks are going to continue to run the ball in the second half of the year when they're leading games, they're fine just grinding it out with the run. So it's going to be hard to get consistent numbers from Metcalf, but the big games will be there. At 30, Terry McLaurin could be as much of a star as some of the other young wideouts, but he has QB problems to deal with, and that's going to hold him back until we see Dwayne Haskins take a step or until we see another quarterback show up in Washington. McLaurin's not going to be able to crack that top 20. AJ Green at 31, I'm probably too low on him. I can admit that. At this time of year when I do these initial rankings, some of it is a guessing game. You're trying to figure out what's going to happen with players. Green's a little bit older. I am concerned about the injuries. We don't know where he's going to end up. Is he going to be back with the Bengals? He's an unrestricted free agent. Could he be somewhere else next season? Let's see where he ends up, where he lands And then we'll go from there and I'll update the ranking. But for now, I have him in that wide receiver three range. Christian Kirk at 32. He's the Cardinals number one if he can stay on the field. Only problem is he had some injuries this season that he dealt with. The offense spreading the ball around is a bit of a problem. But we saw Kirk get a lot of targets, lead the team in targets. Could Andy Isabella, could Hakeem Butler, maybe a new addition even to that receiving core step up? Larry Fitzgerald's going to be back next year, but I'm not that worried about Larry really taking that much work away from anyone at this point. So right now we're looking at Kirk as Kyler Murray's number one receiver, and we'll go from there depending what happens in free agency and the draft. Michael Gallup at 33, he's continuing to show that he's just a phenomenal number two receiver right now for that Cowboys offense. 
Tyler Boyd at 34, his ranking is really going to depend on what A.J. Green does. And a new quarterback, and we're pretty much guaranteed at this point that Joe Burrow is going to be the quarterback for the Bengals in 2020. A new quarterback could help that Bengals offense take a step forward. Robbie Anderson, another unrestricted free agent at wide receiver 35. I'm still a believer in Anderson. He's going to sign somewhere. He's going to produce. He's going to get out of this bad situation in New York. I'm still buying Robbie Anderson stock. Debo Samuel at 36. Solid rookie campaign from him. Best is yet to come by far. Kind of sad. Another guy. I traded him away in Dynasty as part of a deal to get carry on Johnson. I'm hoping that that doesn't come back to bite me. Uh, Wide receiver 37, Sterling Shepard. 38, Alshon Jeffrey. 39, Darius Slayton. Saw some spiked weeks. Still faces a lot of target competition in New York, though. Remember, Evan Ingram was hurt quite a bit this year. A lot of that Slayton production came with Ingram injured. So we're going to have to just hold our expectations back a little bit. I know we're all excited. He had some big games, but he's going to have to deal with Golden Tate and with Sterling Shepard and with Ingram and with Saquon Barkley, who catches a lot of passes out of the backfield, especially if he's a little healthier next season. Now, I put Antonio Brown at wide receiver 40. The truth is, I don't think he's going to play another NFL game. We see the insanity that continues to happen online with him on social media. But this is the range where I'd be willing to take a chance on him. We're starting to get to a point now where some of these receivers... You know, we're projecting they could have good years, but they're not really guaranteed options. So Antonio Brown's high-end upside is still top 20, maybe even top 10 if he somehow sorted everything out. But I highly doubt that's going to happen at this point. Uh, Outside of that, I'll just talk, I won't go over every receiver, but I'll talk about a few guys that I like after that. Marquise Brown, remember, Marquise Brown was coming back from a Liz Frank injury. He didn't get a full offseason to get ready with this offense. Now he's going to have that this year. He'll be healthy, and we'll see him spend a lot of time establishing more chemistry with Lamar Jackson. Could be a big season for him next year. We know how explosive that Ravens offense could be. Curtis Samuel, I talked when I mentioned DJ Moore. I talked about that new offensive-minded coaching staff coming in. Maybe some better quarterback play as well could help Curtis Samuel reach his potential. Anthony Miller, I don't know why he started the season so slow. They just weren't using him. I can't explain that at all, but he proved why they should be later in the year. He should continue to be a big part of that Bears passing attack. Preston Williams, for everything that Devontae Parker did this year, Preston Williams was also having a pretty good season before he hit IR. Don't forget about him. Nikhil Harry, we don't know what the situation is going to be with the Patriots quarterback. We don't know if it's going to be Tom Brady or not. But Nikhil Harry is a first-round pick, has a lot of upside, a lot of upside depending what happens in that Patriots offense. Miko Hardman, whenever this guy was touching the ball, he was making plays. That's the kind of electric player you want to invest in because if he starts to get more playing time, and why wouldn't he? I mean, Sammy Watkins really did nothing this year after that first monster game when Tyreek Hill went down in week one. After that, Watkins wasn't playable in fantasy Maybe Miko Hartman could take the next step in his sophomore season. He's somebody that I definitely would want to have on my bench to find out if that happens. Some other guys, and we're going deeper down now, but Paris Campbell, another rookie, very explosive, dealt with some injuries, and we could see better things from that Colts offense, especially if they upgrade at quarterback. And we saw Traquan Smith start to produce. Drew Brees looks for him around the end zone often. He's got that deep speed. 
could be somebody that breaks out another. I hate to have to keep mentioning this, but another situation where we don't know who's going to be at quarterback for New England next year. But if Breeze comes back, we're still going to be excited about that passing attack. Isabella and Butler for the Cardinals. Really, just anyone in that Cardinals passing attack. These young guys, they have an opportunity to step up. I think next season, and I talked about it in the quarterback episode, I think Kyler Murray is going to make a leap in year two. So I want to invest in the pieces around him so that I'm profiting off that. Miles Boykin too, kind of like I said with Marquise Brown, Miles Boykin, big bodied rookie coming in. He's going to get more work with Lamar Jackson in the off season. We saw him catch a few touchdowns this year, but there could be a lot more there for him if this passing attack continues to evolve. Moving on to tight ends. There's not that many tight ends that we need to discuss. I mean, George Kittle, Travis Kelsey, they're the clear top two. Mark Andrews, I mean, mentioning that Ravens offense a second ago, definitely had a connection with Lamar. Andrews was essentially the de facto number one pass catching option, despite being a tight end. 852 yards, especially, especially in the red zone. I mean, 10 touchdowns for him this season, and he wasn't even a full-time player. He only played over 50% of the Ravens snaps six times this season. So a lot of room there to grow for him and a lot of room for that whole Ravens passing attack to take a step forward. Zach Ertz, still one of the best tight ends out there, could easily be third on my list, but I expected that his numbers would dip a little bit this season just because all the weapons they had in this offense. But this is a situation where you can be right and wrong in the same year because he came out early in the season and wasn't really producing big. I figured, especially around the red zone, when you talk about having guys like Alshon Jeffrey, you know, you brought in Jordan Howard, who could be more of a battery rammer on the goal line. Miles Sanders, the rookie to start getting more touches. J.J. Ortega-Whiteside is a guy that can produce in the red zone. And then having Dallas Goddard behind Ertz, there was just so many options around in that offense. And then we saw all the injuries strike. And as the season went on, Ertz popped back up. Started to get more volume there. So he still has to be a top five fantasy tight end. That's where I expect him to stay. But he's going to have a harder time putting up big days when everyone is healthy in this Philly offense. And we have to think that next year they're going to have some better injury luck. Darren Waller's my tight end five. He stepped right into that Jared Cook role as the de facto number one receiver in Oakland. And when you can get a, a tight end who is the number one receiver in his offense... You got to target it. You have to. We should have listened to John Gruden before the year when he said the whole offense was going to run through Waller. He was not lying to us. And Waller finishes the tight end three on the year. So unless they make a big move in the receiving core, kind of like they tried to do last year when they went out and got Antonio Brown, unless we see something like that happen, Waller's going to be a top five guy. Evan Ingram at number six, Austin Hooper seven, Hunter Henry at eight. These are all guys that have top five potential for sure. If they can stay healthy, if the situations continue to be good. I mean, we're seeing Austin Hooper and Hunter Henry are unrestricted free agents, so they might even be on another squad next year. If Henry stays with the Chargers, who's his quarterback going to be? So some things could change there, but we've seen these guys produce as high-end tight ends for fantasy before, so I'm still going to keep them in that area. Jared Cook at nine. Very closely tied to Drew Brees here. These players, when you're later in your career like Cook is, you want to go to the Saints. I remember Ted Ginn talked about this when he signed with the Saints a few years back, saying that he wanted to go to New Orleans because Drew Brees could extend his career, could help him be productive in his later years, and Jared Cook, we're seeing the same with him. 
some of his best production in the NFL the last couple seasons with the Raiders last year when he got all the volume, and then this year was much more efficient playing with a really good quarterback in Drew Brees. Hopefully, he'll get a chance to do that again. Tyler Higby is so interesting. I have him at 10. If we knew for sure that Higby was going to be the guy next season, then absolutely, I would be all over him. You'd have to even maybe move him up around that top five range because once Gerald Everett went down, Higby just went off. Had stat lines of seven for 107 and one, seven for 116, 12 for 111, nine for 104, and eight for 84 and one over his final five games. That's number one wide receiver production let alone getting that from a tight end. So even the last two games when Everett came back, and I don't know how healthy he was at that point, maybe he was a little bit worried about losing his job, but he barely played in those final two games and Higby remained pretty much a full-time player. So if we feel confident over the summer that Higby is going to be the starter there, I'll move him up a few more spots for sure because we won't get the same kind of production that he had late in the season, but that just shows what his ceiling could be. You could give him 70% of that production and we would still be extremely, extremely happy there. And then there's a lot of young tight ends that we can look to to potentially have breakouts next year. I have Noah fan at tight end 11. He's a volatile pick. I mean, he was very inconsistent. You expect that from a rookie tight end. The talent is there though. I wasn't overly happy that I saw his playing time dip back down. Once Jeff Hireman came back, we saw fans' playing time go back around that 50% mark over the final month. That's a little bit concerning, but hopefully he can develop some rapport with Drew Locke and the Browns don't go sign another you know big ticket wide receiver to pair with Cortland Sutton or draft someone high who's going to take away those targets from him at tight end. TJ Hawkinson, his college teammate, We could see a big leap from him. Hawkinson's going to be someone that's going to be around for a long time, who is going to be a good tight end. We're going to have Matt Stafford back healthy next season. So look to Hawkinson. I have him at tight end 12, another guy with a lot of upside, whether that breakout comes in 2020, 2021, 2022. The breakout for Hawkinson is going to come at some point. Dallas Goddard would be a top five guy if Zach Ertz wasn't on the Eagles. There were some rumors midseason Ertz could get traded. I don't know if that's going to happen, but if it ever did, if Ertz left the Eagles, Dallas Goddard would step up and he's capable of producing as one of the best tight ends out there. Mike Gusecki, we saw some good things from him in the Dolphins offense this year. OJ Howard let us down, but maybe over the offseason, that coaching staff will realize the mistakes that they made. Maybe Howard will clean up some of the mistakes that he made this season that held him back. Will Disley at tight end 16. Injuries are going to be a concern here. This is a complete projection on my part, just based on what he could do in the Seahawks offense, what we saw from him before he got hurt, but he's got a long road back to come back from injury. Eric Ebron's a UFA. We'll see where he ends up. Chris Herndon missed part of the year with suspension, came back, was hurt, didn't make an impact at all this season, but that coaching staff loves him. There's a lot of talent there for Herndon, but he's got to be lowered. There's a lot of tight ends who are interesting. I've dropped Herndon quite a bit from, I was pretty excited about him last year. We got to drop him down to tight end 18 heading into 2020. And there's a ton of other guys that we should discuss, but we're not going to go through all of them here. I'm doing the reviewing the landscape series right now. I'm going position by position, and I'm talking about every fantasy relevant player with a little more depth 
than I talked about today. So check that out on the score app over the next couple weeks. The quarterback one's already out. Running back's coming early next week. Wide receiver and tight end's going to follow. That is all for the show today, though. Remember, not just the Reviewing the Landscape series, but you can find my full rankings, my top 200, all that stuff, all my content on the Score app. And make sure you're subscribed to alerts from the NFL Fantasy News section on there. You'll get notified as soon as my content goes up. And follow me on Twitter, at Justin Boone. A big thanks to Michael, who installed my furnace yesterday. Big thanks to him. Helped take me out of the ice age. A big thanks to everybody out there for listening. And we will see you next time. Said leave on time, my baby. Said leave on time. Leave on time with me tonight. Said leave on time.